This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 34, and we are recording on June 20th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with Amanda Nelson, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Howdy doody. Happy Monday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm caffeinated, so it's a happy Monday for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm... Um so out of it. I can't even tell. <laughs> Yesterday was Father's Day, right? Oh, yeah. It's just a crazy, like, holidays are always crazy. Mm-hmm. It was also Juneteenth. So. Yes, bad. yes, it was. But yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, okay. Monday. I'm, I'm glad to be. I don't even know what I'm saying. Y'all, <laughs> somebody get me some more coffee. Okay. Well, Amanda gets some more coffee. I will tell you some more about this podcast. Great, thanks. So we are a reading recommendation show, which means that you send us questions and we answer them. Uh, so you can send us all kinds of questions. What should your book club read? What to read while you're on vacation? What to read after a little life rips a hole in your heart? Uh, <laughs> what to get for your niece or nephew or uncle or whoever? Uh, we are happy to take all questions. You can email them to us at getbooked at bookriot.com. You can tweet them to us. I'm Jen IRL, Jen with two N's, uh, on Twitter. And Amanda is I'm Amanda Nelson. Or you can put your questions into the form at the bottom of every post that we do for this podcast on bookriot.com. Lots of ways for you to send us questions. If you have a time sensitivity for your question, please try to put it at the top of your request in the subject line or near the top of the description so that we can see it easily. Uh, We've got lots and lots of questions. We're going to get to all of them. Uh, If we don't get to yours immediately, do not fret. It's coming. Uh, So, yeah, is that all of the things? That's pretty much it. Almost every question for this episode was time sensitive because people are traveling (laughs) uh, for the summer. Um, So it's pretty much like a what audiobook should I listen to while I'm on a plane episode (laughs) 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 with different uh, requirements from each each person. So, uh, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. that's really it. Um, It's on the road, but less sexist is what we're doing (laughs) with this episode, I guess. A plus. Thank you. Show title. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right, so I will read the first question and then do our first sponsor, and then we'll get to the answers. Um, So this is from Raina. She says, I listen to audiobooks every moment I can, but almost exclusively nonfiction. Whenever I've tried to listen to novels, I haven't enjoyed them nearly as much. Would you please recommend some fiction audiobooks that might translate well for someone used to listening to nonfiction? Um, Note that I'm focused on reading diversely, and I listen to most of my audiobooks through Scribd and the library. Uh, So it would be wonderful if your recommendations were available on Scribd. You know, I tried to check to double check that and for some reason I I couldn't like you can't search the Scribd website unless you're a member so I'm not sure if these are available on Scribd but mine are at my library so you should be able to get them from your library Uh, so uh, let's just go ahead and do our first sponsor which is a book about Sherlock Holmes yay which I love it's called The Great Detective The Amazing Rise and Immortal Life of Sherlock Holmes it's by Zach Dundas the cover is great it's got like a pipe and smoke and you you can't see it but you can click on the link in the show notes <laughs> <laughs> so it's nonfiction. this is a journalist uh, Zach Dundas is a journalist and a Sherlock Holmes fan who's going out to figure out why um, Sherlock Holmes has been such an indestructible 
character. Like, so indestructible that even when Arthur Conan Doyle killed him off, he had to bring him back because the fans were so obsessed with him and continue to be, obviously, because he's everywhere now. There's the BBC Sherlock. They're constantly redoing um, adaptations. Um, and we are getting new like new takes, new YA takes, and new retellings, and all of that of Sherlock Holmes. Those those things are constantly coming out. So Dundas is looking at the roots of the character, where Arthur Arthur Conan Doyle got the idea for Sherlock Holmes, and also where he got the idea for John Watson, who of course is his companion and assistant, um, and kind of reveals how Conan Doyle's stories laid the groundwork for this like completely remixable mythical character that we keep revisiting and changing around to fit whatever modern sensibilities we have now. So the investigation that he does for this book takes him down like all these crazy paths in the Holmesian universe. He goes to like a boozy annual party of one of the world's most exclusive Sherlock fan societies, which I did not even know existed. Oh my God. But I love that that exists. There's an exclusive Sherlock fan society and they have like secret annual gatherings where Amazing. everyone gets really drunk. <laughs> That's so good. Um, he goes goes out to the heath uh, of Devon to freeze his butt off where the Hound of the Baskervilles takes place to look into that. Um, he chats with the creators of the BBC Sherlock TV show, which has been a runaway hit and, and meets Benedict Cumberbatch, which is nice. Um, and so along the way, he celebrates and figures out and he's examining all the ingredients that have essentially made Sherlock Holmes go viral over the course of like a century, which is a fascinating thing. So um, check out The Great Detective, The Amazing Rise and Immortal Life of Sherlock Holmes by Zach Dundas. And thank you for sponsoring the show. Uh, do you want to go first? I will go first. Great. Um, <laughs> no one's talking anymore. Like Raina, I also do better with nonfiction on audiobooks because I get distracted and it's easier to pick up the thread. Um, however, I conferred with our coworker, Rachel Smalter Hall, who is like the audiobooks queen mm-hmm. um, and who, side note, runs the audiobooks newsletter that you can sign up for if you go to bookriot.com and then click on the menu. Uh, but so if you're looking for lots of audiobook recommendations, that's a good way to get them. But anyway, she told me. Um, uh, she gave me a bunch of recs for you, and I have read some of these, so I can confer that the books are really good, and she says that the audio is great. So our first pick for you is Where'd You Go, Bernadette by Maria Semple, which is an amazing book um, mm-hmm. about a young girl named B whose mother has disappeared. Her mother is like this really kind of feisty, amazing woman who is going through a depression. Um, and B, who's 15, uh, is... Um, trying to track her down. And it all started when B got, she aced her report card and she was promised a reward and she decided that she wanted a family trip to Antarctica. But Bernadette in the meantime has like, you know, turned into homebound and is freaking out about her life in general and she can't like even contemplate a trip. Um, and so B is trying to figure out what has happened. And the audiobook is narrated by Kathleen Wilhoit from Gilmore Girls. If you are a fan, she plays Luke's sister. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> How random. So I like can hear her voice in my head all the time anyway. Um, so that is our first pick for you. It's Where'd You Go, Bernadette by Maria Semple, which is like a really funny book and it because it's so segmented, um, like there's lots of little episodes in the book, I do think it's easier to pick up the thread if you get a little bit distracted because like it's kind of short and episodic. There's not like big long sections that you could get lost in. Uh, so yes, so that is our first pick. Okay, um, I am the same as Rena and Jen, where I listen to <laughs> almost exclusively nonfiction on audio for the same reasons. But when I do listen to fiction, it has to be really plot driven as opposed to like flowery sort of language um, so that I 
am forced, or I get so wrapped up that I, I can't be distracted. Um, and so my first pick for you is a book that absolutely did that to me. It's The Cutting Season by Attica Locke. And this is a mystery a murder mystery. It takes place in the South in Louisiana. Um, the main character's name is Karen. She is a former law student. She drops out of law school um, where she had like fled her family and got off to law school. She comes home after a, a big to-do with her uh, boyfriend at the time. She comes back home to Louisiana to the very small town that she grew up in. It takes a job uh, running Belle V, which is this historic plantation uh, in Louisiana that the family that owns it has kind of turned over control to the county so that they can run it as like a museum, living history type thing. So there's like a gift shop and there are tours and you ho- you can have weddings there and, and all of that kind of stuff. And so Karen is the general manager. She's in charge of running the show. And one morning, just like a normal morning, she gets up, she's talking to the gardener. She realizes she like does her walk of the grounds and realizes that uh, something has like an animal or something has dug up some of the flowers in the landscaping and so she asks the gardener to go fix it or whatever and then he tells her that there's actually a dead body out there um so of course she calls the police and they come and then the rest of the book is figuring out who the girl is what she was doing on Bellevue property um and there's also a thread where karen's 10 year old daughter her and her daughter live on the property like they live in this plantation um and her 10 year old daughter turns out to be sort of involved and so she's got a do what she can to protect her child from this, like, murderer that's out there and also figure out how her kid is involved in this whole situation. There's a um, thread that has to do with Karen's background. Her family, like, Karen's family were slaves on the plantation before the Civil War, and then after the Civil War, her ancestors continued to work there uh, for the people who owned it, and there's, like, a whole mystery happening there, so there's just, like, a lot going on. Um, and, you know, it's summer and it's hot. It's a nice time, I think, to listen to an audiobook that takes place in, like, sweltering Louisiana. Um, I actually just read this, and it was, like, 90 degrees, and I read it on my deck with some bourbon lemonade, and it was really nice. So, yeah, that's The Cutting Season by Attica Locke. I co-signed that. I love Attica Locke. Yes, she's so good. And Karen is such a good character. Like, oh, she's so smart. And I really love, like, a competent main character. Yeah, Yeah. but who still, like, makes poor decisions and has trouble figuring stuff out. Like, she's she is so competent and smart, but she's not, like, perfect, which is a really, it's like a killer combination. Because it's real. (laughs) Yeah, she's like a a person. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. She's so real. She's such a person. Um, Okay, so our second, mine and Rachel's second pick for you, which is also a book I know that Amanda and our uh, Preeti who runs the Ocomics podcast love uh, is Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe by Benjamin Allaire Sines and it's read by wait for it Lin-Manuel Miranda hey of (laughs) Hamilton fame so um, you really can't go wrong with this one in any shape or form Uh, it's about um one of the main characters, Aristotle, is sort of an angry teenage boy. His brother's in prison. Uh, he's not having a great time. And then Dante is like a know-it-all kind of misfit. And they meet at the swimming pool and pretty much have nothing in common except they're both kind of loners. Uh, but they start hanging out together and then sort of their the book kind of spirals out from there. I don't want to give any spoilers if you haven't read it, but it is really lovely and funny and smart. Um, and uh, like Rachel said, it's these are kind of stories that are easy to follow, but also really engaging. Um, And I think this is a great example of that. Uh, It's technically YA, but like, 
everybody should read this book. Mm. Um, so <laughs> that is Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe uh, by Benjamin Elliar Sainz, and it's read by Sainz? Sainz? I don't mm. know how to say it. Every time we I talk apologize. about this book, we have this moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's read by Lynn manuel Miranda. Okay, my second pick for you is The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien, which is read by Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad, who I love. Uh, And this is actually a new recording. They just came out with this, I think, last year of Brian Cranston reading it. And this is kind of like a classic of war literature and American literature. It's, um, I guess, technically it would be considered linked short stories. But the reason why I pick this is because it is both fiction and not. Um, So if you generally listen to audiobooks on nonfiction and you're trying to make the transition into listening to fiction, I think this would be a good starting point because it in and of itself is a transition between fiction and nonfiction. It's sort of autobiographical. It's about the the Alpha Company, the men of the Alpha Company in Vietnam. Um, And it follows them through like their tour. And then I think if I, it's been a while since I read it, but if if I remember correctly, some of them after they come home. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's, so epically heartbreaking and difficult to get through without crying. So I feel like it would be good on audio because then you're not (laughs) responsible for like holding tissues and also, but then maybe don't listen to it while you're driving Um, because you're just going to (laughs) cry. Like you're just, right? Like you're just No, you are. Yeah, it's going to happen. So one of the characters in the book is named Tim O'Brien, which is the name of the author. Uh, He survives his tour in Vietnam and goes on to be a writer um, and to have a family and all of that. He's 43 years old when he's writing the book. Tim Moran was 43 years old when he read the book, obviously. So it's there's a lot of stuff in here that's not real but is not fake. And that's kind of the point. Um, there, there's actually, like, a chapter in The Things They Carried about the difference between fiction and nonfiction as it relates to uh, the experiences and memories of war. So it's just a beautifully written book. And I think, and Brian Cranston's voice is just perfect. Like, man, they could not have picked a better narrator for this. So that's The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien, which even if you don't like audiobooks, you should read it on paper if you don't decide to listen to it because it's so fantastic. Yeah, it is a really, it's a modern <clears throat> classic. Like, that yeah. book is going to go down in history for good reasons. Yes, yes. Okay, question two. Uh, this question is from Sarah. I belong to a very active community of readers, the Goodreads Ireland group. We have monthly reads uh, and numerous discussions on various topics. This year we're doing a continental challenge where we read one book set on each continent. We've reached Antarctica and I'm struggling with what to read. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of explorer type books, whether fiction or nonfiction. Any advice? Um, I just remembered, didn't one of our contributors do a post of books from every continent? I swear that happened. Yes. We'll leave a link in the show notes. I think it was Jess. uh, Jess Pride. Um, We'll leave a link in the show notes to that as well. But um, since I'm talking, I'm going to keep talking. Mm -hmm. Um, My first pick for you is a collection of poetry, actually. Um, It's called We Mammals in Hospitable Times by Jen Martin. And um, this collection is great. She, the reason I'm recommending it for this particular subject is because she went to Antarctica on like a like a writer retreat grant kind of thing. <laughs> like they have an artist retreat to Antarctica. How cool sure. is that? Um, and she was working on this poetry collection while she was there. So while it may not, I mean, some of the poems are about Antarctica and some of them are not, but the whole thing was really written and, and worked on while she was there. So I feel like that qualifies. Um, and it's cool. It's interesting because you can really see how the themes of like, the environment and ecological preservation and, all, uh, you know, mixed together with the emotional content of the poetry. Um, and she's very funny. There are, some of them are really great. Um, and like, you know, she's got stuff about 
whales and aliens <laughs> and all kinds aliens. of different things. Like, this is not like, you know, a, I, I don't want to say there's no such thing as an average poetry collection, but I like really feel like this is not what you think of when you think of like poetry that you learned in high school. Like, this is very different from that. So I definitely uh, think that everybody should pick this up, but particularly if you're interested in things that are influenced by Antarctica, this is a good one. So that's We Mammals in Hospitable Times by Jen Dilling Martin. Okay, so I asked Swapna about this question because our Swapna Krishna is our coworker who is the managing editor for Panels, which is our sister site about comic books. And she went to Antarctica last year with her husband on a just like a tourist trip. She went with National Geographic um, and did so much reading about Antarctica fiction and nonfiction before she went. So I just asked her because I have no idea, having never been, um, and I don't like reading about cold places. So, <laughs> uh, so her two that she recommended for you. The first one is called My Last Continent. It's by Midge Raymond, and this comes out tomorrow, um, which is Tuesday the twenty first. So by the time the show goes up, it will be out, and you can go get it. And it is a romance suspense thriller set in Antarctica, which is just so much going on there that I feel like I need to read this now. It's like on my TBR. So the two main characters are Deb and Keller, who are scientists. And every few weeks of each year, they go to Antarctica to study the habits of penguins and they get, you know, and also kind of to get away from like the awfulness of their own lives and to have a fleeting sort of fling together. So every few weeks they leave their horrible lives, come to Antarctica, study penguins, have a fling, as you do. Uh, so a new season of research has begun, and um, so Deb is going back to Antarctica and looking forward, you know, to spending time with Keller and to doing her job and all of that. And while she is, uh, and she's also going to play tour guide to, like, the people who are on her expedition ship who are, you know, coming to to be tourists. While she's in the journey, like, in the middle of going down to Antarctica, her ship, Deb's ship, receives an emergency signal from a cruise liner that hit that's hit some trouble in the Southern Ocean where, you know, the, the waters are mostly frozen. And she finds out that Keller is on that ship. So she has to go change from, you know, research scientist on her way to study penguins to woman in charge of lots of people that she has to keep safe and also has to go save all of these other people on a ship that's in jeopardy. And there's also like a mystery combined and um, in that about their Deb and Keller's own personal pasts. Um, and so, yeah, lots going on. And um, she said, I think I'm trying to, I'm like scrolling back through Slack to see where she recommended this book. She says it's gorgeously written, suspenseful um, literary fiction. So that sounds like fun. So that's My Last Continent by Midge Raymond. All right, we were both wrong. It's Alison Peters wrote the post uh, that we oh. were thinking of called All, All Around the World, Women Writers from Every Continent, and I got a link for the show notes, but yes, um, that is Close but no cigar. Good resource. What's that? Yeah, close, close but no cigar. cigar. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's see. Okay, you said that you don't like explorer books. I There really are not a lot of other Antarctica <laughs> books that earn about exploring in some way, and so I apologize in advance, but I, I do think it's worth worth reading, um, and that's Endurance, Shackleton's Incredible Voyage by Alfred Lansing. This is kind of, this book has been around forever. Um, it may have already been recommended to you, but it's really good. Um, it's about Ernest Shackleton, and uh, it's about specifically their journey to Antarctica, and for like a year, they were in uh, the, like, 
ice-bound seas and had to do crazy, crazy things to survive. Um, and, uh, and, and so Lansing, when he was writing this story, was consulting with the surviving members of the expedition and looking at the diaries and the personal accounts. And, like, I cannot not love all that primary source material in mm-hmm. a historical account. Like, the history major in me just gets so excited. And there's maps and illustrations, and it's, like, a really cool piece of history. Um, so... Sorry? Not sorry? <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> I think it's worth reading if you want to find out more about uh, Antarctica and Shackleton, who was kind of like the first major expedition to there. So that is Endurance, Shackleton's Incredible Voyage by Alfred Lansing. Okay, uh, the second book that Swapna recommends for you is Our Lady of Ice by Cassandra Rose Clark, which she described, her blurbs for like when she was making these recommendations to me are so good. Um, she calls it sci-fi set in the future where Antarctica generates power for the rest of the world and there are robots. Oh my god, that sounds amazing. I know. <laughs> and there are robots. Um, so this is the future. It's a dystopia science fiction novel. Um, it takes place in a place called Hope City, which is a city in Antarctica that is under a glass dome, you know, very uh, Stephen King-ish. Um, and the, you know, the dome is there to keep the population, protect the population from the weather, obviously. Um, but the city is, you know, it's dystopian. It's kind of falling apart. The infrastructure is faltering. It's difficult to maintain because it's Antarctica. Where do you get food? How do you keep people safe? All of that. So there are four characters, four main characters that the book follows. The first one is, uh, Eliana. She's a private investigator who's trying to get off, out of the city, off Antarctica and back to the mainland. Um, there is another character named Diego, who is kind of like the right-hand man to the the criminal who controls the city's food supply. Um, there's an aristocrat who has this big, like, dangerous secret. And then there's also Sophia, who is an android, who has begun to evolve. Um, so, you know, Skynet is coming for you, but in Antarctica. <laughs> and it just sounds awesome. amazing. <laughs> so that's Our Lady of the Ice by Cassandra Rose Clark. How soon can I read that book? <laughs> Antarctica with robots. <laughs> All right. Um, question three. Uh, this is from Ashley. And she says, this summer I will be making several weekend train trips to my hometown for various extended family obligations. I'm looking for stories that will consume me for the rides there and back, something that I can just dedicate to that time. I'm looking for something that's going to completely suck me in. I do enjoy just about anything, but would like to stick with something kind of genre and fun. The road trip is about eight hours, so something in the three to four hundred range. A page range would do uh, well for me. Bonus points if it has an audio version. Um, All ideas welcome. Okay, so that is from Ashley. All right, I'm done. Okay. Uh, my first pick for you, well, I double-checked all of my picks that the audio was available, and my first pick for you is a book I just finished. It's Persona by Genevieve Valentine, um, who I have read and loved for a while now. She's done both comics. Um, she did a recent run of Catwoman um, and also a retelling of the 12 Dancing Princesses story called Girls at the Kingfisher Club. But this book is a near-future thriller um, in a world where instead of, like, regular diplomats, there's these people called faces who are, like, trained to be the face, haha, of their country. Um, and so they have to, like, be perfectly put together. They're basically models, like, drafted into diplomatic corps. So they're, like, they get all the screen time. They are shown voting. They don't have any real power, though. They're literally just the face. Um, they don't, they're not supposed to have real power. Um, and Suyana, who is the face of the United Amazonia Rainforest Confederation, um, mm. is, uh, 
is is the subject of an assassination attempt. She's on her way to sign a relationship contract, this which like just cracked me up, um, with the representative for the United States when somebody tries to shoot her. Um, and then suddenly she's on the run with a photographer in the novel. They're called Snaps, um, basically paparazzi, who uh, happened to be following her to try to get the scoop on her relationship contract. But he saw the assassination attempt. He has footage. And now he's like on the run with her. Um, she's bleeding and they're in Paris and like what is going to happen and then you find out that Suyana is not content with just being a face and she's actually got a lot going on in the background um, and I like there's so many things I want to tell you about this book but I don't want to <laughs> spoil it it's a really delightful reading experience but if you enjoy thrillers if you enjoy sort of near future twists on current day stuff um, this book is just fantastic I love the way that she's kind of taken celebrity culture and paparazzi and like melded it all with how international politics works it's just it's just such a fun smart interesting read and it's the first in a series um i am warning you the second one comes out next week though so you don't have to wait too long so that is persona by genevieve valentine okay you said genre and fun so my both of my picks are just weird, weird <laughs> genre books that i uh, the, both of them i read um in like a sitting, so I feel like yeah, fun. That will commute. They will completely suck you in, which is what you asked for. So my first selection was the Southern Reach trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer, and the first book is called Annihilation. And they're all really short. Uh, each book in this trilogy is like two, three hundred pages, maybe two fifty. Um, so if you're doing a lot of like traveling with legs, which it sounds like you're doing, then I think this would be a good fit because you could read one book per leg because um, they're pretty short. So <clears throat> super, just the weirdest man. All right, hold on. <laughs> Let me start over. <laughs> it is really hard to describe these books. I know, they're just so odd. And, like, I don't even know what genre. I mean, science fiction, I suppose. But Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, in Annihilation, it takes place in this place called Area X, which is in, name, in a nameless southern state in the U.S., but it sounds like kind of Florida panhandly from the descriptions. Area X is cut off from the rest of the continent. A couple of decades ago, an invisible border just descended upon this section of the country um, so that you could no longer cross in it. Um, and the there's a like a secret government organization that's been sending expeditions into Area X. They've somehow figured out how to get into it to figure out what is going on. And so the annihilation, the first book, takes place during the 12th expedition. Uh, the group that's going in, they're all scientists. It's, made, it's four women, an anthropologist, a psychologist, um, who's kind of in charge. The narrator, who is called the biologist, and you never figure out, you never get her name. Um, there's also like a surveyor. Uh, and so their mission is to go into Area X, map the terrain, collect some specimens, record all their scientific observations, etc., and avoid being contaminated. Because when you're contaminated, and this is what's happened to all the previous expeditions, you come out like with no personality, or you don't come out at all, or whatever. So Area X, aside from just being a place that you can't access as a normal person, um, it's also, like, super dangerous, but nobody really knows why. So in Annihilation, you're figuring out what is happening. And they go into Area X. The biologist discovers this, she, what she calls a tower, but is actually, like, an underground... Like, it's a tower, but upside down. So instead of extending above the ground, it just goes down, 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 down. Um, and is it, like, haunted? There's, like, a weird animal in it? Like, you just don't... I mean, I can't tell you, because you find out over the course of three books. Um, and it kind of descends into this... It turns. It starts off like a like a weird science fiction 
a book about a place that's very like idenic and environmentally pristine and all of a sudden then just sort of degenerates into this weird horror horror novel that I just love and I'm, and I'm obsessed with. Um, and all of these subsequent books are also super weird. And it just kind of gets weirder and weirder, um, especially once you figure out what's actually going on. So that's the Southern Reach trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer. And the first book is called Annihilation. The covers are awesome. And Stephen King blurbed the first book, which is what made me pick it up. Um, so yeah, go read it. Nice. Godspeed. <laughs> Good luck. Then and then when you're done reading it, come back and tell me yes. what genre this is. I like to think of it as speculative slash weird. Like, yes, there is weird. kind of a genre of weird fiction weird out fiction. there, and Jeff Vandermeer is, like, the king of it. Yeah. Agreed. Well, Jeff Vandermeer and China Mavel. Okay, sorry, sidetracked. <laughs> um, so my second pick for Ashley is Huntress by Melinda Lowe, which is... So it's technically this, it's a prequel to Ash, which was a retelling of Cinderella with fairies uh, instead of like a fairy godmother. Um, But I read this one first and I think it stands alone really nicely. And I really loved it because it's kind of like a real twist on the fae. Um, other, like, you know, crossing into fairy genre uh, because she's kind of melded it with um, Asian mythology and Chinese influences and, like, there's stuff from the I Ching in here. Um, And and the she, which is, like, an Irish word for fairies, if you're familiar, they, like, it gets a Chinese spelling. And I don't know, it's just really, really cool and different. Um, But it's about two girls uh, who are about 17 uh, Katie and Tyson, and um, they are picked to go on a really dangerous journey. Uh, the king of their kingdom <laughs> awesome, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> has been summoned by the fairy queen to like this annual revel. And, and they like know from history that this used to happen all the time, but it hasn't happened in ages. So everybody's like a little nervous about what this means. And also the weather has been weird and the crops are dying and things are not going well. Um, so the sort of sages of the country are like, we have to go, but they don't want to send the king because it's a really difficult time for the country. And so they're going to send the crown prince and then the oracle has said that these two girls also need to go. So they are, and Tyson is like, just wants nothing more than to be a sage um, and to live in seclusion and to, you know, be part of this religious system that she's been brought up in. And Katie is like, not really doing well in this. She's kind of an outlier. She like wants to get her hands dirty and do things. And so she jumps at the chance to go on this journey and things obviously go wrong almost immediately um and they are then once they finally get to the queen of fairy she sends them on an even more dangerous mission so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of action it's a really entertaining book i feel like it's great for you know like just wanting to be engrossed in something while you're traveling um and uh i just really enjoyed it i thought it was so much fun and then you can read ash um because this technically takes place like a a couple hundred years before Ash. So you're not actually reading it in the wrong order, <laughs> is what I tell myself. So that's Huntress by Melinda Lowe. I forgot to mention that the Southern Reach trilogy is about to be, is, they're filming like the adaptation right oh, now. Oh, yeah. And Gina Rodriguez is in it. And so is Tessa is Thompson. She, and oh, my God, that's going to be amazing. Is she the biologist? I can't, I can't I, remember. I, you know, yeah, I, I remember hearing the Tessa Thompson announcement and being like super psyched about that. Yes, Gina Rodriguez. Just put her in everything for me. Or people. Um, Okay, so my second recommendation is also really difficult to classify, but it's, in my brain, it's like a fantasy horror thriller 
paranormal. I don't know. Anyway, it's called The Library at Mount Char. It's by Scott Hawkins. And I, I just finished reading this uh, last week. And y'all, it's so weird. <laughs> like, it's just the weirdest. And you, I read this in one sitting, which is not rare for me. You know, I do a lot of, uh, of one sitting reads when I get a chance. But this book is 400 pages long. So I feel like that's a lot to sit. But I could not stop. I couldn't put it down. So it's about a group of people who call themselves librarians. They are all orphans. <clears throat> excuse me. Who, but they're all orphans and not related, and they're raised by a man they call the father in um, this house in the middle of suburbia. Except the neighborhood is very strange, and it seems like it's caught in like the 80s, and the neighbors maybe are zombies, kind of. And so, obviously, something weird is going on here. So, their childhood is spent learning from what the father calls. Um, their catalog. So each child, there are 12 of them, is assigned a catalog of knowledge to master. So like, for example, the main character, Carolyn, her catalog is languages. So she learns every language ever, ever. And then um, another of the main characters, David, his language is war and murder. So he learns everything about that and becomes a peach of a fella, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, And then another one, Margaret, her catalog is death. So she learns how to travel into death and uh, what that looks like and it's all just very weird so obviously of course father is not like a normal person he's uh, maybe a god or some sort of ruler of the universe um or something like that and their childhood is horrific it's a very violent book so um they're never allowed to learn outside of their own catalog because father doesn't want any of them to become too far too powerful and when they do um because you know kids will disobey the punishments are hurt hard to read <laughs> um but you're good you'll keep going and eventually oddly you could become a little numb to it um which i think is kind of one of the points of the book but anyway uh when the book opens the father has gone missing and the library is um guarded by some like magical not magical but some some way it's guarded they can't and none of the librarians can get in to get to the library or find out what happened to father um and so carolyn has a plan she has orchestrated some sort of plan to um, figure out where father is and to maybe defeat David, who is the the kid who learned um, everything there is to know about murder and war, and he was very violent, and trigger warning, all the trigger warnings, violence, rape, lots of stuff. Um, but Carolyn is a great character because she, her, you know, her, her the thing that she learns is, is languages, it's, she's like this bookish, kind of quiet She's probably the most normal out of all of the characters in the book, and no one ever expects her to talk back. No one expects her to do anything, really. But then she, like, undergoes this big, long con game to do things that I'm not going to tell you because of spoilers. So that's The Library at Mount Char by Scott Hawkins, which is another bizarre book that defies classification. (laughs) (laughs) But I I really enjoyed. So violent. Yes, I had to stop reading that one, actually. Oh, you did? I couldn't do it. I, I think I was in the wrong moment for it, though. Like, I yeah. don't always have to stop, but that I just picked it up at the wrong time. Um, but it's weird, that's for sure. It's so, like, it's so, it's so violent that I yeah. think I was kind of like, like, I felt like watching a Quentin Tarantino movie almost. Like, it's almost oh, cartoonishly. Yeah. Like, it's, there's so much of it that it's right. not real to me anymore. And, like, it's so over the top that it just becomes absurd at a certain point. It is totally absurd. Like, yeah. the like the guy, David, who does who perpetuates most of the violence in the book, wears a tutu while he does it. So you're just like, what? Like, this is I think not I real. didn't get to that part. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He does, he spends the entire book wearing a tutu and a helmet made of blood. So. Awesome. It's so <laughs> weird, y'all. But, like, I love it. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, no, moving on. No, it's <laughs> cool. There's no... There, we love the weird. Yes. Okay. 
So our second sponsor is Book Riot Live. Jazz Woo-hoo. hands, jazz hands. Um, we are super excited about it for obvious reasons, including that our speaker lineup is just getting better and better. We're still booking speakers, um, and they currently include Charlie Jane Anders, who is one of the founders of io9. Uh, we have got Jeff Jacks, who is like a web comics legend. We've got Ken Liu, who is like nominated for all the awards. We've got Walter Mosley, who has published more than 40 books and is also a Grammy Award winner. Uh, and plus, 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 plus. So, and also, we were so excited about the Walter Mosley edition that we extended the $40 early bird discount through the end of June. So, if you register by June 30th, you not only get your VIP pass, which gets you uh, early RSVP access when the programming goes live later this summer, but you also get 40 bucks off your weekend pass, or uh, I think it's 15 bucks off of the single day passes, but the deal is really good. It's the best deal you're going to get for Book Riot Live, hands down. So you should go to bookriotlive.com, check out the information, there's lots of stuff there for you to read about, and then hit that register now button and join us in November. It's on November 12th and 13th in New York City, and we are going to have a hell of a good time. Oh, if you already bought your tickets, we also added a new Friday evening event that's going to be super fun. One of our speakers, Diane McMartin, is a certified sommelier, um, mm. and so she's going to do a whole panel pairing up wines with uh, other speakers' books, um, and we're going to have like a little reading. It's going to be super fun. So all of those details are at bookriotlive.com, and you should check it out. Okay, All right. question four uh, is from Christina. Uh, she's a fan all the way from Denmark. How exciting. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. I am looking for book recommendations for my mother-in-law's upcoming birthday. She is currently going through an emotional roller coaster ride as she's going through menopause and finds it difficult to, one, find relevant information about the bodily changes, and two, to find emotional support. She is such a fun and loving Filipino mother-in-law, and I find it hard, so hard to see her going through this alone, and I therefore want to find some great books that can take her through this stage of life so she can better cope. I hope there are some good fiction and nonfiction books out there. There are indeed. Um, my first recommendation for you is I Feel Bad About My Neck by Nora Ephron, which is like the book that you want to have that will just make you laugh so hard, Um, whether or not you're going through menopause, because Nora Ephron is hilarious. Um, Mm -hmm. But this book specifically is about growing old and like trying to deal with all of the stuff that comes along with it. So she doesn't dwell a ton specifically on menopausal symptoms, like they come up for sure. Um, But she's thinking about all kinds of things like her neck and plastic surgery and... um, like emptiness syndrome and what it's like to look back on all of your different relationships um, and deal with your kids. And I guess I should say, like, let, you know, preface with it's Nora Ephron. So she's had like a very privileged life. So some of her problems are like, not our problems. Um, (laughs) But she's so funny and smart and also like acknowledges that these are not real problems while she's talking about like, you know, Birkin bags or whatever that it's, it's, it's really entertaining. Um, And I just was literally LOLing on the train as I was reading this book. Um, So I, I think it's a, it's like a must have in everybody's, you know, sort of shelf of growing older books. So that's, I feel bad about my neck and other thoughts on being a woman by Nora Ephron. Okay, so I have a, a nonfiction and a fiction pick for you. My, the nonfiction pick is Our Bodies, Ourselves, 
menopause. Um, so if you have read the Our Bodies Ourselves, which is kind of like a classic read of the female body, um, then they have their own menopause book. And this is put together by the Boston Women's Health Health Book Collective. And it's such a service um, for readers and women everywhere, obviously. And the thing that I like about the Our Bodies Ourselves book, which continues through the menopause uh, edition, is that they recognize that so many of the experiences of being a woman and the biology of it. Um, oh my gosh, my, I just said experiences in my my phone. Siri, can I help you with the experience of being a woman? No, Siri. Um, and so, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. Um, they recognize that so many things like being pregnant, having your first period, going through menopause have been really politicized and a lot of the information out there about any of those experiences, especially menopause, um, is so much about like talking down to women and being and like con- like condescending, but at the same time withholding actual helpful information. Um, and this book does not do that. So it's in really clear and accept- accessible language, and it's all about dispelling myths that come uh, that women are told about what your body's going to go through when you go through menopause. It talks a lot about the kind of medications that you may or may not want to take, how your sexuality may or may not change, how to cope with hot flashes, mood swings, night sweats, all of that kind of stuff. So it's really just like a Bible of um, menopause. Also, it deals not just with menopause that you'll go through from getting older, but surgical menopause or chemically induced menopause that some women go through because of different health challenges. So it's a really great um, resource for any woman who is going to go through menopause ever for any reason. So that's Our Bodies, Ourselves, Menopause, and it's put together by the Boston Women's Health Book Collective. That's awesome. Nora Ephron was like talking about how terrible most of the books about menopause are for women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously she was writing before I think that book was published um, and she was wishing for that exact thing. Okay, my second pick for you is also a memoir, but it's, I gotta tell you, this book, I'm reading it right now, and it's, like, all up in my feels. Um, (laughs) It is Traveling with Pomegranates, A Mother-Daughter Story by Sue Monk Kidd and Anne Kidd Taylor. You might recognize Sue Monk Kidd as the author of The Secret Life of Bees, which was, like, a huge, you know, deal when it came out. Um, And this book is fascinating because it's written, it's a dual memoir, so she wrote it with her daughter. Um, The two of them went to Greece when Sue was turning 50 and Anne was uh, in her early 20s. And they were both going through big changes in life. So Sue is hitting menopause. um, And Anne has been rejected from the graduate study program that she wanted to go to and is dealing with depression. Um, And so the two of them take turns writing about their travels and what they're going through and how their relationship with each other is changing. And this book makes me want to start a mother-daughter book club with my mom and like read this book because while our relationship is not necessarily anything like theirs is there's they talk so interestingly and like really unflinchingly deeply about the emotional work of mother daughtering and also like trying to deal with your own stuff while being a mother or a daughter so sue is like dealing with you know it it turns out that she i mean i knew she had written nonfiction, but apparently she had this like deep-seated longing to become a novelist and was afraid of it and didn't write her novels until she was after 15. It was like a really big deal for her. So talking about finding out who she's going to be now that she's 50 and no longer really a mother in the classic sense of the word. 
and, you know, wanting to change what she's known for when she's already got a successful career as a writer Mm -hmm. is really intense. And there's also, like, scenes of her, like, she can't sleep because she's menopausal and she's, like, writing in her attic study and then running down to the kitchen and, like, opening the freezer door and standing Mm -hmm. in it to deal with her hot flashes. And she's talking, so she's talking about the physical and emotional changes that she's going through. And there's also a lot of spirituality in this book. Um, It gets a little woo-woo sometimes. I don't know if that bothers anybody, but just, you know, so you know. But she's talking about both, like, mythology and Christianity and spirituality in a general sense. So it's pretty, uh, what's the word I want to say? Like, it's not super specific to any one religious tradition at the end of the day. It involves a lot of different things. Uh, So, yes, I just am totally obsessed with this book now. (laughs) Uh, So that is Traveling with Pomegranates, A Mother-Daughter Story by Sue Monk Kidd and Anne Kidd Taylor. Okay, my second pick is The Signature of All Things by Elizabeth Gilbert. And the thing that I like about this book is that it follows a woman's life from birth to death. So you get every transition and age and the challenges that come with those things, um, which is, in my opinion, a rare Um, thing in literature. So the main character's name is Alma. She's born in 1800 in Philadelphia to the richest man in the city. Um, She's brilliant, but she's not pretty. um, And so she doesn't ever, like, she's not the kind of girl who's going to go out and, like, take take society by storm or have a lot of bows or whatever it is they they called them in the 1800s. She's just, like, bookish and nerdy. And she becomes really obsessed with mosses and becomes a, like, that's what she dedicates her life to, is living in Philadelphia and studying mosses. Um, And how do you make a book like that compelling? I don't know, but Elizabeth Gilbert has managed to do it. And so she eventually does meet a man that she falls in love with named Ambrose Pike, who is an artist who draws orchids that he finds when he's out doing these, like, great exploration, adventure type things. Um, They get married, but their marriage is very untraditional and strange. And then he disappears, um, and Alma goes off to find him. So she, the book moves from Philadelphia to London to, like, Tahiti and Amsterdam and all of these places as you're following Alma as she grows in her job, which is, you know, studying losses, and in her travels and in her relationships um, and all of these things. And eventually, <laughs> Elizabeth Gilbert manages to pull together, like, questions about life, the universe, and everything, basically. And um, Alma, in and of herself... Despite the fact that she does get married, their marriage is very odd, and she lives mostly alone um, for the majority of her life and her adult life. Which, again, like, how many books are there out there about, like, a 50-year-old woman who really likes mosses? Not not a lot, even without the moss section. Um, and so I, I don't know that it specifically address. I don't remember. I don't think it does specifically address, like, what her body goes through as she ages, but it does address, like, the emotional impact of um, being an intelligent woman during that time period, of being older, maybe being a little lonely. She doesn't have anyone to take care of her, what she does as she grows apart from her family, all of these things, just the stuff of life um, told from the perspective of this really intelligent woman across all ages. So that's The Signature of All Things by Elizabeth Gilbert. Ooh, my turn? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> question five. Um, So this is from Leah. She says, I'm going to be traveling here and there starting in July. I need a book or four for my summer travels. I'm 19, about to be out of a job that sucked the life out of me and now contemplating going back to college. I've been delving into the world of nonfiction 
Recently, I read Tiny Beautiful Things. I'm currently reading When Women, when Women Were Birds. I also love Patti Smith's M Train. Um, these books have been a gift to my soul. I need more women telling their stories. Books about women finding themselves or having no idea what they're doing with their lives. Books to make me see things differently or not feel alone in my unknowing where to turn when I'm unsure of what career path to go down. I'm going to stop talking now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to say, Leah, those are some of my favorite books. Good job, A+. Um, and, uh, yeah, I am hopeful that you will like the picks because I feel you. Um, <laughs> so my first one is Life After Life by Kate Atkinson, which we've talked about before. But um, I feel like one of the, the plot points that really gets hit most of the time when we talk about this book is how it's about, like, a woman who lives over and over again in, in an attempt to kill Hitler, um, which is just, like, you know, that is the plot. However... Because you're getting a woman who is living over and over again in different ways, trying to get to this one sort of historical moment, um, you get a really fascinating look at what one person's life could be if they had made different choices. So, um, you know, she there's one life where she marries a man and has a really unhappy marriage. There's another life where she doesn't get married. There's one life where she has an abortion. There's another life where she has kids. Like, she is, she, in, in Ursula, who's the main character, we get a look at, like, it's like that sliding doors gimmick, you know? Like, what would have happened if on this one day, instead of turning left, I turned right? Or if instead of missing that train, I caught that train? Or if instead of, you know, saying yes to this person I said no um, and I feel like that's a really powerful thing to see all of the different ways that women's lives can play out and it's historical so like her options are kind of limited um, but what she does with what Atkinson does with the options that her character has is super interesting um, and I think well worth the read so that is Life After Life by Kate Atkinson. Okay my first pick for you just came out it's called Lab Girl it's by Hope Jared. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, I listened to this on audio, and it's so good on audio, and I'll get to why. But overarching, the book is a memoir um, about a woman who has built three labs. So she's a scientist, and it's um, about her life uh, becoming a scientist, also kind of a memoir of her um, like totally platonic relationship with a guy named Bill, who she meets early in her career, and then who stays with her through all of her... Um, moves and career changes. Not career changes, she stays a scientist the whole time, but she goes from different, she goes to different universities. So they're like best friends, colleagues over, you know, decades. So it's like a memoir of that relationship also. Um, but Hope herself is also, um, ha is also, uh, what am I saying? Oh my gosh, the term, just uh, manic depressive, sorry. She has bipolar disorder, so there's a lot of, um, she's got a lot going on. Uh, she grew up in, Mont uh, in Minnesota, her mother, it was very cold. She doesn't have a great relationship with her mother. Her father was a scientist, which is why she goes into science. Um, and she encounters a lot of sexism, obviously. And this isn't a memoir of, like, the 50s. This, this woman is still a working scientist now. So a lot of the challenges that she's dealing with in her career are challenges that women continue to deal with in their careers, especially in the STEM fields. Um, so she goes from Minnesota to Georgia to Johns Hopkins to Hawaii, all around the world studying. She's essentially like Ellie from Jurassic Park, like a paleobotanist. And Bill is her, her whatever the guy's name was, Alan, but without the, the kissing. There's no romance there. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so if you are at all into like science or plants, um, this is really interesting. But it's not just about that. Like there are, she gets, she has some tough, tough challenges in this book and 
if you do listen to it on audio, she cries. Like she reads her own audiobook. And there are moments where I've like sat in my car sympathy crying with her because Ooh, she's wow. reading. I know it's like so I, this is never I've never experienced this no, before. I mean, like, obviously I've listened to memoirs. Yeah, where people read their own memoirs and you can tell when they get to like a tough part or it's a tough memory for them. But man, she like what the first chapter where she um kind of reveals that she has bipolar disorder and is talking about a one really bad episode that happened to her um, where she ended up in the hospital because she had like hurt herself really badly physically uh, but not on purpose uh, just because she was like in this mania and she's re- she's recalling it and she's recounting it to you the reader and she just kind of loses it like while she's reading it and the the editorial decision to keep that and not make her re-record it is so interesting to me but man I just sat in my driveway like whoo um, it's it's tough but so so affecting and I think that she doesn't question ever when she's in this book becoming a scientist like she has no confusion about what career she wants but the reasons why she becomes a scientist because of her family complications and then the stuff that she has to deal with when she actually starts um, down that road of whether or not she wants to stay there and if it's worth it and what she has to like sacrifice and give up to do this thing I think you will really relate to um, even though you maybe have no desire to become a scientist and it sounds like you're you're still kind of kind of figuring out what you want to do but um, yeah this is just it's such a great read though so that's Lab Girl I'll stop babbling it's Lab Girl by Hope Jaren uh, it just occurred to me that traveling with pomegranates would also be good for this question because Anne the daughter in that book is um, like I said she's been rejected from the grad school program that she wanted to go to and now has like literally no idea what to do with her life um, and that whole thing is just like an amazing exploration of women's lives so you should read that too. Okay, but my second actual pick is Me, My Hair, and I, which is a collection of uh, essays by women about their hair. Um, it was edited by Elizabeth Benedict, and this collection was great because it has women of all ages and classes and races, and it just really was very well-rounded, which I appreciated a lot, because when I opened it up, I was unsure of how many different kinds of people I was going to get. But I got so many, and it was so interesting. I mean, I, you know, also have a lot of feelings about my hair, um, (laughs) and I think a lot of women do. Um, And so uh, this book is about, like, Everything from, like, actual hair care to, like, dealing with what your hair says about you and wishing you had different kind of hair and what happens when your hair falls out. And, like, there's just all of these... They really do a great job of unpacking all of the layers of, you know, societal and cultural and personal expectations that surround our hair. And in the process, you get a really interesting glimpse into all of these different women's lives. Um, And so you, you know, learn things about their lives and their choices through the context of their hair. Um, And it just was fascinating. I loved it. It was a really great collection. Uh, And I think that um, really I, I recommend that all people read this book. Because it, it, it is just such a fascinating window through this one lens onto how we deal with, you know, issues of appearance. So that's Me, My Hair, and I, uh, edited by Elizabeth Benedict. My favorite chapter in that book is um, Anne Lamott's essay about getting dreads. Oh, yeah. It's so funny because she's a white lady. And, yeah. like, there's a lot of stuff 
surrounding uh-huh. that um, that whole thing. But it's man, she's so great. I yeah, there was I. There were so many references to Joan Baez in that book, <laughs> which cracked me up. Like, there's a certain generation of women who like grew up wanting Joan Baez's hair. <laughs> you hear for a, from a couple of them, and that was really interesting. Like, I started like counting at one point, like how many references to Joan Baez will there be? Um, and like Farrah <laughs> Fawcett, obviously. And I, I mean, oh well, sure. And, I like, still want Farrah Fawcett. Jackie O. Like, there's it's really it's really a fascinating fascinating look at like hair i just <laughs> loved it so much okay stopping now all right my second pick for you is also a memoir it's just the weirdest memoir it's called i await the devil's coming it's by mary mclean such a um, weird weird book so weird i love it so much she's just the weird okay i'm just stop saying weird so this is uh the diary of a 19 year old girl who was living in butte montana in the early 1900s i think it starts in 1902 <clears throat> and it's just over the course of a year Um, she, okay, so like 1902, right? Lots of societal expectations about what women are and are not allowed to say. Lots of religious expectations about what like a proper lady does. And Mary McLean just does not care. Like her entire diary is about how miserable and bored she is, about how she is a secret genius and no one appreciates her. Um, and about like how women's lives are so much more boring than men's lives, about how she doesn't believe in God, how she just wants like a man, like the devil in a man's body to come and take her away and give her an exciting and adventurous life. And so she is such a strange person. And it's such an interesting read because she's very annoying. Like she's, you know, she's very, she thinks of herself as like a second Napoleon, despite the fact that she's just like this girl living in Montana, doing nothing with herself, except complaining about her family. But she's also kind of right. Like she, She's an excellent writer, and she has a lot of really interesting things to say, so she possibly is a secret genius who's just really annoying, like most geniuses happen to be. Um, And nothing really happens in this book. She's in a very in-between stage of life that I think you will relate to, being a 19-year-old yourself who has um, doesn't really know what's coming or where you want to go. And so she also doesn't know what's coming, but she's got a little bit more, you know, like in 1902, when you're 19 years old and you live in Montana nothing's coming and there's like nothing you can really do about that except then she published she sends her diary off to be published which of course made her infamous which is what she wanted um so you can tell that a lot of the diary is purposefully provocative because she knew she was gonna send it was gonna send it off to be published which she does and so mary mcclain actually did go on to be super famous and she sold a hundred thousand copies of her diary which a hundred thousand copies in 1902 of a thing written about it by a 19-year-old girl about how much she wants the devil to come take her away is like, what? It's, like, mind-blowing. So it's a fascinating book, um, not just because of the history behind it, but also, you know, because she's in that feeling. Like, she's in that, when is something going to happen to me? No one appreciates me. I don't know what I'm doing with myself. Like, all of those things that you feel when you're 19 and have no idea what's coming for you, she feels those things and writes about them in a really, really great way. So that's I Await the Devil's Coming by Mary McLean. What so a weird bananas. person. So I know. Bananas. It's just so strange. Um, All right. Should we? Do you think we should stop? Well, we so, so that's we'll our wait. show. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we don't want to like drag you guys on past an hour because that's just annoying. Yeah. So we'll wait for this one. 
Okay. That's our show. That's our show. Uh, thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show or if you don't, uh, please leave us feedback on iTunes. We really appreciate it, and it also helps other people to find the show. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, Jen with two N's. Um, Amanda is I'm Amanda Nelson. And we want to thank our sponsors, The Great Detective. If you're looking for Sherlock, <laughs> that's where you find it. Um, and ourselves, Book Riot Live, uh, coming to you in November 12th and 13th. Um, and yeah, I guess we'll see you on the next show. Thank you.